This episode is sponsored by MJ's Progress Not Perfection Meeting Center Association. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction. I can do this podcast anywhere. I can do this at home. I can do this in a closet. I can do this in a basement. It doesn't matter. All I need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery. What I can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. So if you can help out, you know, we do have a Venmo, we have a Cash App, we have a PayPal, we have an address you can send a check to. And, you know, all the money that gets donated goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on, and goes towards keeping the internet on. So please, you know, if you can get five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, it doesn't matter. Anything you can is so appreciated. And if you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me and we can talk about how you can be a sponsor. But I'll let you get back to the episode. Welcome to the show, Sarah. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you're in recovery. You know, we met through the TikTok recovery community, which is like way bigger than I thought. I know. No, it's huge. I have so many friends on TikTok just in the past couple months that... I don't know. I just, yeah, I, I never expected that. I started it only because, you know, the podcast here, you know, mm-hmm. that I do and I post, you know, clips to promote, you know, new episodes there. And at first I would just like post them and then go, you know what I mean? You know, Facebook yeah. is where I was getting a lot of people yeah. to watch the episodes, you know, in the group. So I was like, I'm just dropping them and leaving. And then I started seeing other people's posts. And I was like, oh, you know what? Like, oh, shit. Like, I can actually probably pay more attention to this. And yeah. I've seen a lot of cool creators on there. Um, when, yeah. what, is your, what is your sober date? My sober date is February 25th, 2020. How old were you when you checked into rehab? Like, and did you go because was, you were asked to go or did you want to go? So I was 22. Um, I'm 24 now. Um, so... I knew I had a problem. I wasn't denying that I had a problem at this point. Um, I wasn't trying to hide it anymore. I was kind of asking for help without asking for help. I enabled my mom and manipulated her for years. And she was finally starting to see through my, my shit. And yeah, she did give me an ultimatum. I had moved back into her house. So I was totally like mooching off of her, um, just taking advantage. And uh, I had nowhere else really to go except living in my car and I was driving a coupe at the time and so she told me you either go to rehab for 30 days or you leave like I can't have you here anymore um and so my my thought process was okay you know I'll go to rehab for 30 days and then just you know come back and do what I was doing like I'll just go to shut her up and make her happy like that that's kind of what I that was what I did, um, and I got there, and I detoxed, and it was horrible. So, now, you're 22 going to rehab. When did you start, you know, drinking and using drugs? Um, so, I started drinking and smoking weed when I was um, around 15, 16. I know 15 was the first time I ever got drunk. Um, it was at my high school boyfriend's house on the second floor, and I didn't know that you're not supposed to mix wine, liquor, and beer. And I did all of those things. And I, his parents were having a party in the backyard, and I threw up over the balcony onto them. 
so that was that was my first time getting drunk what changed for you that you know you were going to using drugs instead of drinking you know what i mean like what were you were you trying to escape something was there a reason that you were feeling the need to escape like that yeah so that high school boyfriend i was talking about so he was you know he was very abusive we were both we were both abusive um you know, I, I don't want to sit here and say that I played the complete victim because, you know, I'd hit him back. I, I brawled with him, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that was, like, kind of my introduction into dating. Um, so I had a really twisted idea of what a relationship was. Um, and I thought, like, all, like, the jealousy and the toxic, the toxic and the the um abuse and you know the screaming matches and all that I kind of thought that that was normal in a young relationship um but when that ended was a few months after I graduated high school and I met this really nice boy he was he was very nice um but he and he was older than me um but he sold oxys and I I didn't know I didn't know anything about any of that stuff. Um, Oxy, I had, Oxy's or like uh, the blues? The blues. Okay, Roxy 30s? Yeah, Roxy's, okay. yeah. Sorry. No, yeah, no, no. Roxy. No, it just, I was thinking about how old you are. I'm like, Oxy's. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I forgot that everyone calls them Oxy's. You know, I was just telling somebody that earlier. I forget who I was t- telling it to that like, they say Oxy, but they mean Roxy. Yeah, you know, Roxy. it's it's yeah. so funny yeah okay but anyway um so yeah he was selling roxy's which were huge yeah. five six years ago you know what mm-hmm. i mean like and they that's were about, that's about what the time time frame when 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 it was but um he knew somebody in his family who got a prescription um because they were in a really bad accident you know years and years and years ago Um, But they didn't really use them, and that was their way of helping him, like, supporting him financially because he was supposed to sell them and, you know, keep the money and use the money for food and rent and whatever. But um, over time, you know, it turned into us just using it all and not selling them at all. You know, he, he actually didn't want me to try it. You know, he told me, he's like, you know, it's really addictive. You know, he would use them, like, occasionally. I don't know. I was definitely more of, like, a gimme, 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 like, I need it now kind of than he was. And um, Did you see see how high he was getting and just be, like, almost, like, curious of what – I wonder what that feels like. Yes, I was very curious. Um, so he he was a pizza delivery boy on the side. He he sold to all of our friends, and at this time we were kind of living in this like just fucking ghetto like party house. And um, all of our all of our friends would come over, and we'd all like hang out and drink or whatever we were doing. And um, but they would always they would all be using the Roxies, and um, you know he didn't want me to try them. And he was gone one day, and he was at work, and my friends were all doing it, and I was like, hey, you know, can I try, you know, like, I want to know, and they're like, no, so, you know, he'll be really mad, like, no, I, oh my god, no, you know, just don't tell him, you know, I'm letting you try it. And I tried it, and I was immediately obsessed. 
I, I, that's all I wanted. Like my brain no longer focused on anything else in my life or cared about anything else in my life except for that. And I immediately, when he got home from work, like my friend was like, don't tell him, please don't tell him. Like I let you try it. I didn't even care. The second he got home, I was like, where are they? Now, did you, what, did you sniff it the first time? You had to, if you were getting that kind of effect right away, you had to have snorted it. Yeah, Um, no, immediately we're we're snorting them, yeah. Yeah, I was, yeah, and so I I could totally see that reworking of the brain, like, because that's how I felt, you know, and I talked Mm -hmm. about it in my episode about me, where, you know, I immediately was like, oh my God, you are my first love. You know how they always say you get three in your life? I have my third. I'm married to her, but I always say that was my first. And, yeah. you know, I even did a TikTok about, you know, my breakup song, you know, was slow dancing in a burning room, you know, when I was in rehab. But I had to have like a real true breakup to Roxy's yeah. because for nine yeah. and a half years, you know, for almost a decade, that's what my I was obsessed with 21 yeah. to 31. So like you got out. I wish I could have been 22 like you. And, you know, and getting into a rehab and doing it right, I was only a year into my decade long of, like, love affair with them. And, you know, I talk about them so much on here because if I don't talk about it, then it rattles around in my head. You know, yeah. if if I don't talk about triggers out loud, then those triggers stay in my head, and that's the kind of shit that makes you relapse. So oh, people totally. have asked me, like, why do you get so candid about, like, what you talk about? It's almost like... You know, you're like, um, you have like a, a love affair with it. Like I did, I loved yeah. them. They were a part yeah. of my life and I need to talk about those things. Cause if I don't talk about them, then it's not, I don't make things real and I'm not running my honest recovery. Yeah. And if I don't talk about these things, then they get rattled up here. And that's the kind of stuff that makes me think way too much and makes me want to relapse. But when I talk yeah. about them, I don't want to relapse. That's why yeah. I talk about it. So yeah. You know, I find it important to have these kind of conversations. Now, when he comes home, how pissed is he that, like, you just got high? Or is he relieved that he wasn't there and now he can do it more? You know, I think it was, like, a little bit of both. Um, I was really high that night, so I don't really remember much of, <laughs> of what, like, how his reaction was. I just know that he showed me. Um, and... So over time, it turned into me helping him sell them, me starting to control them. And after a while, I wasn't even letting him sell them anymore. I was making him split them down the middle with me. Every time he got more, I was like, where's my half? Which is like complete bullshit. Like me, I'm so entitled. Like, oh, fucking give me half. Like, And he was older, you said? Not, but not like crazy older. I was, I was, I was 18. He was probably like 22, 23. Okay. But still like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, I was, I was, I was. You knew what you were doing. Yeah. I knew what I was doing and I knew that I kind of like had control over him. And so like the abuse kind of, so like talking about the, uh, the abuse of my high school relationship, I kind of turned into the abuser um for for many relations for a few relationships after that not like physically but very much so verbally and emotionally i would manipulate these men into like giving me what i wanted um was it almost like out of self-defense because you didn't want to have happened to you what happened to you before yeah i i mean that that could very well 
be part of it. Um, I think that I also kind of developed this like entitlement too from it. Um, so a big part of my story too is just men in general. Um, and how, so Roxy's were not the end of my story. Um, I, so kind of how my story worked is with a new guy came a new drug, um, because my boyfriends were my supply. Um, and once one would leave, I wouldn't have that supply anymore and I would find something else. Um, you know, so after, you know, after things went south with him. How um, long did it last with him, but doing the Roxy's? I want to say about eight months. Okay. About eight months-ish. We lived together. I was going to say, you're living together for the majority mm -hmm. of it. Usually those kind of relationships, they happen really fast overnight. You go from yeah. meeting to living together within three days. Yes, that's exactly how it happened. And it's I not was... like U.S. mail news and they're sending the mail in the right way, but all your shit that you need on a daily basis including yeah. the five pairs of clothes that you're going to interchange over a seven day span, yeah. you know, <laughs> that that's all you ever need is that small bag to move yeah. in with a guy. Mm -hmm. So, because mm -hmm. I've had my, my share of people moving in with me. I get it. Like even, yeah. I lived in the shed once I lived in my parents shed and still a girl moved in with me that was getting high. You know yeah. what I mean? Like somebody mm -hmm. I knew from high school needed a place to crash and slept on the futon you know, where I slept and we didn't even hook up or anything. It's not, it wasn't a sexual thing. Yeah. It was, you know, just two addicts that were helping each other out. Yeah. You know, so I get it, you know, so now you break up with this dude. Was it you broke up or was it him? Um, I broke up with him because, uh, I don't know if you know. <laughs> so we were living in Ventura. That's where I met him. This episode is sponsored by MJ's Progress Not Perfection Meeting Center Association. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction. I can do this podcast anywhere. I can do this at home. I can do this in a closet. I can do this in a basement. It doesn't matter. All I need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery. What I can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. So if you can help out, you know, we do have a Venmo, we have a Cash App, we have a PayPal, we have an address you can send a check to. And, you know, all the money that gets donated goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on, and goes towards keeping the internet on. So please, you know, if you can get five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, it doesn't matter. Anything you can is so appreciated. And if you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me and we can talk about how you can be a sponsor. But I'll let you get back to the episode. You know where Victorville is, but this is where my story gets bad. Uh, Victorville, California is where I moved. Um, Apple Valley area, too. Um, so we were living, me and this that guy, we were living in this, like, party house, trap house, whatever. I don't know you want to call it. It was just really crazy and um, we had an opportunity to rent a place up in Victorville area. Um, knowing nothing about Victorville, we were like, oh yeah, let's do it. So we, we moved up there and like a few months later, things just got really weird. You know, he's, he, what, he didn't like get another job. I was like kind of just paying all the rent and I was getting really frustrated. It was a really small space too. Um, and I so was what is up with Victorville? What's up with Victorville that 
you know, I don't know about or the audience wouldn't know about, like, if you're not from California to know what Victorville is, what's the stigma? What's the stigma? So Victorville, yeah, Victorville is, um, it's, it's in the middle of the desert. It's on the way to Vegas. It's kind of just like buttfuck nowhere. Um, you have Victorville, Hesperia, and Apple Valley, and then nothing around it. It's just like for miles and miles and miles. Um, and it's really hot, like really hot in the summer, really, really cold in the winter. Um, and you know, it was a nice town 20 years ago. Um, but it is where a lot of there, there's just a lot of drugs there. There's a lot of poverty there. Is it like Bakersfield? It is. It's like kind of Bakersfield is like a lot of like meth, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah, like, like crank, <laughs> you know, biker yeah. crank and shit. Yeah. Yeah. I knew yeah, people from rehab from Bakersfield. I, I knew like four different people from rehab from Bakersfield and they were all there for meth, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, Victorville. Yeah. It, it's similar to Bakersfield. Um, and what are you doing for work when you're paying the rent all by yourself when, you know, do just like not doing shit? I was working at Target actually. Okay. <laughs> I, working, I worked there like this whole time I had been working at, at Target. I, I got a job right out of high school. Um, and I worked at Target for years, a few years actually. Did you um, ever, well, I mean, and I can take this out. Did you ever like take any cash as like a cashier when you were like on Roxy's? I actually didn't. No. Oh, I never because told. you, you were, you were with the dude yeah. that had them. Mm-hmm. I was getting them for free. So I really had no need. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, and uh, I was yeah yeah, and I never really had any need. I was getting high like at work every day though, you know. Yeah. Uh, but. So yeah, now so- you're in Victorville. Are you still getting mm-hmm. high when you're there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're still getting high. We're having our connect like mail them to us <laughs> um, when we're up there. Uh, and uh, but yeah, things went things went really south. I ended up kicking them out. Cause it was my family who was renting us this place. Um, once again, I felt, you know, it was kind of like an entitlement thing kind of messed up. I did not really give him much of a notice. I kind of just kicked him out, but it turned out really great for this guy. Cause he actually ended up joining the military and he's doing really well. So, you know, I mean, pat on my back. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, but, um, well, yeah, at least so, they got him. At least they got him sober. It could have been, you know what I mean. Like it could have been way worse. Well, you know what I mean. You know, yeah. at least him got. At least he's not still like in trap houses with a bunch of random people. Yeah, I don't. I mean, at least I, I don't. I don't think so. But yeah, he. I think he's doing a lot better, which is. Yeah. Which is, um, but yeah, and then I, I, and then I immediately go to the next boy I meet. You know, so like my, I definitely had a problem with men and it wasn't like me, it it wasn't so much like sleeping around constantly. It was just like, I always had to have a boyfriend. That was what it was. I always had to, like, I was codependent and lonely and I needed somebody to like, like take care of me pretty much. Now is, now you say you meet somebody else. Now, how do you meet this somebody else? Was he your deal, a new dealer? Then you're just like kind of shacked up, like. No, actually, I met him at Target. So, okay. So, that was the real shitty part about breaking up with, I was called military boy. Um, yeah, it's fine. 
Um, but he, you know, once, once we broke up, my supply was cut off and we had moved up there and I didn't know anybody. So I had, I didn't know how to, how to get it anymore. Um, so I went through some pretty, you know, painful withdrawals, like for about a week or so, a week or two. Um, I felt like shit, but I met this, I met this other guy at, at work at Target and he was even older. He was like, it was so bad. I was probably 19 at this time. He was, I think like 32. Um, and we were just drinking and smoking weed now. So, you know, taking a step back and just kind of, you know, I guess in my brain, it was a little bit more harmless. Yeah, I mean, both technically are legal in the state of California. I mean, not for you. Both are not legal for you regardless. But they're both legal for him to have at least. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. um, You're not sniffing pills off of tables and shit. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's it's It's, better. It's harmless in the eyes of the law. Um, Yeah. Um. But, you know, once again, like, that relationship didn't last more than about six or seven months. Um, maybe not, maybe eight, I don't know, about that time. And I was living with him in his house. And um, things went south. And, you know, I had dogs. I have dogs. But I had dogs this whole time. I had these two dogs that I fucking love. Um, they been with me since the very start of my addiction but um I don't know if you're a dog lover but yeah I am I we have five in my family yeah I love dogs and um this guy like threatened them and so I like I took off so quick um but uh and you know they ever since then they've been living with my mom but my poor mom um but uh my parents have my dog when when I went to rehab, I gave my parents my dog, and I had I was close to suicide a bunch of times, and every time I didn't do it, it was because I didn't know what was going to happen to my dog. Yeah. Um, so when I went to rehab, I needed my dog to go somewhere, so my parents, they took yeah. her in. They have a dog the same age, a black lab, and oh. um, they're both nine, and well, they they were like seven at the time. Um, my parents have a fenced-in yard. My mom feeds them, like, eggs every morning with their dry food. Uh-huh. So, and plus my brother has, and they all live together. My brother and my parents live with my brother and, you know, his wife. And they have two dogs, a golden retriever and a chocolate lab. So That's- I didn't take my dog back because she has a happier life yeah. with the other dogs. And I, I'm in an apartment with two cats. She would hate her life. Yeah. So, <laughs> so... You know, she served her purpose for me. Now she can live out her years with my parents and have a yard to run around in and eggs every morning for breakfast and shit and get all that kind of stuff. So, no, I love dogs. Yeah, I totally, totally get it. So um, now I I totally so he was he would threaten them instead of threatening to hit you. He would threaten to hit the dogs and he may as well threaten to hit you. He threatened to open up the gate and let them loose. Now, yeah, so literally a few weeks prior to this, he was in a car accident with my, I was at work and he was in a car accident with my dogs in his back seat um, and with the windows down and they were frightened. And so they both jumped out the window and bolted 
and I get a call while I'm at work, someone saying that they have one of them. And I had no idea what was going on. Long story short, you know, he's dealing with the accident. I get the one, but the other one, he's like a really anxious dog and eight hours looking for him in the middle of the desert. And I finally found him. I was about to give up. It was horrible. It was like one of the worst nights I've ever had in my life um, because I just have like such a strong emotional connection with this dog. Um, and I finally got him back. But then like two weeks later, this dude's like mad at me and he's like, oh, I'm going to let your dogs out again. And I'm like, fuck you. No, you're not. I'm leaving. Like, no way. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what happened. You know, I, my dogs moved around from like, you know, certain family members that are jumping around. And then my mom like finally agreed to take them and they've been there with her ever since she has a yard and a fence, you know, fenced in yard and they're happy for sure that's what matters you know yeah at the end when it comes to being in sobriety you have more appreciation for what they did then to be like no this is what they need now um so okay now where are we in your story okay so we are You, you leave this dude with your dogs yeah so my dogs you know i wasn't ready i wasn't about to go move in with my mom but my dogs did so I didn't want to because I wanted to keep running rapid, you know. I wanted or whatever the phrase is. And you were like twenty years old, right? Um, I was probably like just about to turn twenty. It, yeah, I was probably around that age. Um, but I actually moved in with my manager, my 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 friend. She she offered me um the spare room in her apartment to rent. Um, so I moved in with her and her boyfriend. Um, and we and her were like really close, and so I thought it would be great, but no, 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 don't ever move in with your friends. Um, so uh, she, so she, you know, her her boyfriend. I don't know if he had like a thing for me or what, but like she would get really mad if we'd be like alone in the apartment together at all. Like if she had to work, even if I was in my room and he was like in their room, it was just like really awkward. It got really awkward really fast. Um, and she like felt the need to get me a boyfriend, I think, because she was like really insecure about her. I had no interest in her boyfriend. I don't know if he maybe had interest in me. I don't know, but, um, she, she, she either saw him looking at you a certain way one time, or he at one point made a, like an offhand suggestion of you two ever hooked up, maybe like a three, you know what I mean? He probably did something to where she was like. I don't trust you and yeah. I'm not going to put it in her head and tell her why I don't trust him because yeah. I don't want her to get it in her head. So instead I'll just get her a boyfriend to distract her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So they, um, they, they set me up with one of his friends. So her boyfriend's friends. Um, and he had just gotten out of a relationship, like literally a few weeks prior, like a long relationship. Um, so that should have been my, you know, immediate, like, uh, red flag, red flag, don't do it. But, you know, um, it was uh, not, it was not, um, they introduced me to him and oh my God, I was like, oh my God, he's so cute. He was like this little gangster boy. I thought he was like the cutest thing ever. Um, 
this dude fucking ruined my life, man. Oh my god. And you probably knew it from the start that it was gonna happen. I knew it from the start. I knew it from the start. Um, <laughs> and this is when it was introduced to cocaine. Um, and cocaine is what? Oh. So um, he. So my roommate, the the female, she was at work and she was very, she was against drugs. You know, she did not like drugs. You could drink, you could smoke weed. I, okay. She she was against anything but like weed and alcohol, you know. Yeah, she didn't uh, consider them drugs. She didn't yeah. consider out, anybody outside of NA really doesn't consider alcohol a drug. Let's yeah. be real. And I mean, anybody that's going to NA considers alcohol a drug. Exactly. And, you know what I mean? And nobody really considers weed a drug anymore, period. You know? <laughs> so. No, I know. I know. And it's, it's totally. You know. But I mean. But, no, but yeah. I know what you mean. But she's not cool with like, you know, coke I, and pills and dope. Yeah. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So she's at work. And like a few, you know, I felt like really awkward because here I am hanging out with her boyfriend and like my new soon to be boyfriend and like a few of their friends and. They're like, you know, one of them, you know, brings out a baggie, and I'm like, they're like, have you ever tried this before? And I was like, no, like, I've, you know, I tried other, like, I've snorted, like, things before, for sure, but I've never tried cocaine, and, um, but, like, my, like, ooh, I get to snort something, like, like, I don't know, I was, like, so excited, because, like, I was like, finally, like, finally, I get to do something again, because, like, I had just been drinking and smoking weed this whole time, um, because, like, I didn't know anybody with any sort of, like, connection. And I was like, fuck yeah. And so, you know, we I snorted it. And once again, I fell in love. And I became super obsessed. And I was like, give me more, give me more, give me more. And they were like, oh, my God, chill. And I was like, no, I want more, you know. Um, it was an instant obsession. And, uh, you know, this boy. I ended up moving in with him after, like, two weeks. I, like, moved out of my <laughs> this girl's place. I was like, fuck you. Bye. And I moved in with him. And I lived there for, like, a year and a half. Um, and I was snorting coke every day, all day. Um, and I spent every single dime I had on it. Every single dime. Because that shit's expensive, okay? Were you working still? I was working still. I was working just to support my habit. And um, up there, it's cheaper. Well, at least then in, like, Ventura County and stuff. It was cheaper up there. Um, But I still, I spent every dime I had on it. Um, And I was obsessed. There was not a single day that went by that I didn't use it. And um, I dropped down to 85 pounds. Yeah, I, I was, I'm, I will tell you how much I weigh right now is 130. If you can, I'm 5'7". I didn't, I was like paranoid as hell. I was like being watched on like my socials and stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah. like, yeah. I don't, like, we were doing different drugs at the time though. That's why, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, Coke is, takes, has a little more paranoia attached to it than, you know, Roxy's. Big time. Roxy's is more like depression. Oh, yeah. But. Roxy's is more depression. Like, ah, oh, fuck it. If they take me, they take me. You yeah. know? And then Coke's yeah. like, where are they, you know, and you're freaking out the They're entire like, time. Are they watching me through that whole <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's a little bit different. So is he doing Coke the entire time with you? 
so okay yes he is but he like totally made me feel like I was like the I mean I was the fiend but he was like you need to slow down man like what the fuck like why are you always like wanting this shit and I'm like what the fuck are you talking about of course I want this shit like give me more okay so yeah we we used like every single day together for was he much older also like the 32 and 19 difference or so I was I was like twenty at this time. I think he was maybe twenty two. Okay, so he was closer to he was closer to my age, yeah. Um okay. but he was also a, a horrible alcoholic, like at the time too. Like he he would drink like thirty beers a day while also doing the Coke with me. And it was ugh. But it seems more like your objective was to do Coke but also have some beers with it. And his was, I'm going to drink beer and have a little Coke with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, yeah, exactly. So I was doing, like, most of the Coke. He was drinking more. And, yeah. Um. So, yeah, so this was this was routine for us for a while. And, you know, up in Victorville, there's literally nothing to do. So our, um, our fun was we would take our baggies to the bowling alley with a bunch of friends. And we would just, you know, bowl and do Coke all night. That was just like what we did. <laughs> um, or if, you know, or we would just stay up all night in his room and it was just horrible. Um, but yeah, that, that, that time in my life was like, it got really dark. Um, you know, he was like cheating on me constantly. And, you know, he was, he was really mean to me too. He was very abusive. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. Things got, things got really dark with that one um yeah coke and alcohol will make it dark real quick and yeah. you know if so if you if that went on for a year and a half did that take you into what rehab was or were you no. okay so why no, did you how did you leave him sorry like a year okay I, my, my my timeline's like messed no up. no it's fine yeah but, and it doesn't have to be exact i mean we're yeah. piecing it all together so when you left him so I didn't leave him right away. So what actually happened was, um, I, like, I knew I had a problem. Obviously, um, I had a problem and, you know, I was starting to get really sick. Um, I looked so ill. People at my job were saying so many different things about me, like all these rumors about me. I looked horrible. My spine was sticking out of my back's my my back my cheekbones were sunken in my ribs were sunken in it it looked like if you touched me too hard I would break into dust that's what I looked like and um one night I was like having a really I don't know if I I think I I don't know I I did too much like way too much and I was like you know I was having a panic attack and I went into the bathroom and I like what I would always do when this would happen is I would like take a shower and I would turn like I would do hot and then cold and then hot and then cold to, like shock myself out of it. Um, and I get out and I was doing that and I get out of the shower and I'm like looking at myself in the mirror naked. And I was looking at myself naked and I was like crying. I was like, oh my god, like look at me. Like I'm not like that's not hot. Like that's not pretty. Like what what are you doing to yourself? And I kind of had this moment where I told myself I need to make a change. Um, and 
So I decided in that moment I was going to move back home with or without my boyfriend at the time and go go back to school. Um, so um, I put in my two weeks. I got my payout for, like, all my vacation and sick time over the years. I spent it all on cocaine and did it all. And then that was it. Oh, I went back to Ventura. The boyfriend came with me. Um, and that was it. No more cocaine. I mean, I had no more cocaine every day. All right. So, um, I, you know, where did you two live? Your mom? Yeah. So, so I moved in with my mom. I like made a deal with her. You know, I told her I want to go to school. Um, I want to get my shit together. She had no idea what I was doing up in the desert. She had no idea I was doing any of this stuff. But what about how you looked? Yeah, so she knew that I wasn't doing well. I, I, I told her that I thought I was sick. So my dad, though, knew. My dad, my dad never confronted me about it, but he was very pissy with me, and he knew that, you know, I was doing something naughty. But my mom's more naive, um, and, you know, I was able to manipulate her better which I hate myself for now, but um, I was able to convince her that I was, like, really sick or there was something wrong with me, like, I needed to go to the doctor or something. Were you the only girl? No, I had a younger Excuse me. I had a younger... I have a younger sister. She's very much so, like, she's very straight edge. Very straight edge. She, I think, has smoked weed a few times. Well, so that makes sense that you're, why wouldn't your mom believe you then, you know? Yeah, there was never, I was the, you know, I was her oldest and, you know. Had your dad been through any programs or out of the rooms at all for him to recognize it? Or he just knew something was off? He just knew something was off. Um, And I think that he had been around more of a party scene in college and stuff, like to know that that's not normal just my behaviors and I think he was catching me in some lies um so I think yeah it happens (laughs) yeah yeah um so moving with my mom the boyfriend came with me um and this is when I turned into a horrible alcoholic horrible alcoholic um uh I, I I I did I went to school I went to cosmetology school. I got licensed, passed state board, everything. Um, But I was drinking so much with him, with my boyfriend and all my friends. Um, And that was that was all I was doing. I was drinking liquor, just straight liquor, straight whiskey, like just so much of it. and then, you know, me and this boyfriend, we broke up, got back together a couple times. And then I had, um, you know, over the course of this year-ish, you know, where I'm in school, um, I then I, I graduate. I don't remember. It's crazy. It's like this, this it's like a very distant memory. Um, but we're very on and off. Um, we break up kind of one time for good, I guess. Um, and I kind of got, I got really depressed and I was drinking a 750 plus a night 
to myself in my room in the dark, um, just getting so shit-faced. And that's when I started taking Xanax with it. And that's when things got really ugly and gross. <laughs> I that was the worst part. I always say that Xanax was the worst part of my addiction. It was the worst part because yes, like with the cocaine, you know, I lost a lot of weight and I did get very sick and I uh, I was very sneaky. And then with the, you know, with the Roxies, you know, I got out of control a little too. But with the alcohol and the benzos, I could not control myself. I could not. Did you I, steal? I stole. I lied. I just, oh. I was but it's just, mostly blackout, right? I was black. I don't remember. Like, I don't remember anything except for what I have in my Snapchat history. Really? Like, bits and pieces other than that. From these, like, last five months of my using me and that boy had broken up. I was introduced to Xanax. I was drinking a 750 bottle of liquor and taking a bunch of Xanax every day. I was blacking out. Um, Who introduced you to Xanax? <laughs> a boy. And you were probably like, oh, cool, $5 a pill. This is way cheaper than anything I've ever been doing. Yeah. Yes. This yes. isn't a, ba- a big deal. These... These must not be that bad for me if they're only $5. Yeah. Yeah, no, I loved how cheap they were. And um, Little did you know that that $5, you know, all of a sudden, yeah, maybe it's $20 a day, but you forget that entire day for $20. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so this, this boy that um, introduced me to them, we had a lot of fun. From what I can remember, we had a lot of fun together. We had the same car. We both dr- drove a, a BRZ, Subaru BRZ. And we met at a car meet. And, um, yeah, we would just drive around. We'd drive up to Big Bear. We'd go to LA. We'd, like, do all this fun stuff. From what I can remember, it probably wasn't as fun as I remember, but whatever, you know. Um And, uh, you know, he didn't have, like, a problem, though. Like, he just, he introduced it to me, but he would, like, do them every once in a while. It was just like, oh, hey, like, you want to, like, do these this night? And I was like, yeah, I think I, I actually knew, I I was the one who knew the dealer, though. And I was just like, yeah, you know, I I know this guy who, like, sells them. I'll I'll get us some, you know. Uh, And, uh. (laughs) So he didn't know how often you were doing them though, because you weren't no. living because you weren't living with them. So you were doing them more when you were by yourself and drinking. Is now the, nobody really knew how much you were drinking. Then it sounds like no. Oh God, no. Nobody knew how much I was drinking. Except for the person that was selling you the liquor every day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The the liquor store boy who I also dated for a minute to get free alcohol it was crazy man I was just going to say like did you go to the same place every single day there was two there was two stores I would go to there there was a place in downtown Ventura I would go to when I was down there and then there was one by my mom's house that I would go to this way you didn't did you do that so that they didn't see you every day so you wouldn't have to feel like no I didn't really care (laughs) okay I wasn't sure yeah, I mean, I I assumed that they were used to it. Um, okay, but you yeah. knew that your drinking was like 
not good though, right? Yeah, I didn't have a lot of shame, honestly. Like I, I, I still, I mean, I mean, I, I, in that moment, like when I was drinking that much, I didn't have a lot of shame. I didn't really care what people thought of me. Um, but yeah, um, was hanging out with this boy. He, I thought he was so dreamy and cute and he was like this little emo boy. I loved it. Um, and, uh, yeah, he just ghost ghosted me eventually. And my like crazy ass, like this was my this was my rock bottom. We're we're gonna get to my rock bottom. So um, while I'm like dating this boy, I um I was I was assisting at a salon for this really bougie lady. Like she was very expensive, very like high end salon um, in downtown Ventura. And I um I wasn't doing too hot assisting for her because I was going to work on Xanax every day. And looking like a, probably a zombie if you're yeah. going to work on Xanax. Like, you know, you're literally just, like, standing there dipping out. Like, Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't really. She'd ask me to do something, and then, like, five minutes later, she'd be like, Sarah, like, what are you, come on, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I asked yeah. you to do this. So. Um, just drooling on yourself. <laughs> yeah, so I was working there. Um, you know, this guy, this guy goes to me, and I knew where he worked. He worked. So, okay, this is this is weird because I met him in Ventura, but he actually lived in Victorville. It's so weird. It's so weird how that happened. Um, but I knew where he worked. And um, my dumbass decided it would be a good idea to go drive three hours all the way to his work and sit outside of his work and be like, why did you ghost me? Nobody ghosts me. Like... It was so bad. It was so ugly. Um, and, uh, yeah, he came out, and I confronted him. He's like, it's not you. It's me. Like, meh, you know, like, super, like, oh, I'm so depressed. That's why I can't be in a relationship with you. And I'm like, yeah, right. You just don't like me because I'm sloppy or something. I don't even know what I said. Were you on Xanax then, too? Of course I was. Of course I was. And, um, the three hour drive on Xanax. Yes. That dude. is a dicey car ride. I know. I know. And, uh, but I made it. And, um, so we're sitting in the car talking. I'm like, oh, fuck you. And I get out of his car. I go into my car. I'm like crying. Cause this guy like just broke up with me. Right. Like uh, pretty much just broke up with me. I'm like crying. I get a ding on my phone. It's from my boss. She goes, hi, Sarah. You know, unfortunately, I don't think it's working out between you and me. You're not progressing as much as I'd like to see you as an assistant, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I wish you luck. Fuck me, right? I was so upset. And then, of course, when you're, like, on Xanax, you get that, like, Xanax anger. And I punched my steering wheel, like, 20 times. And I broke my hand real bad. And, um... Then I just, oh my god! And then my ex that lived in Victorville was right down the street, so I go to his house. I hadn't seen him in like six months. And then after, you know, after that, I don't remember much. So things got really dark. You uh, had a broken hand mm-hmm. while you were like down there. You were three hours from home. You just broke your hand. And you didn't have a job to go back to because you just got fired 
after okay you just got broken up with and then you got fired and then you broke your hand now you're high on xanax and you're three hours from home yeah so you go to your ex-boyfriend's because it's the closest place that you can get to it's the closest place it felt safe in that moment um, because whenever we had broken up for some period of time, he was always really nice at first, like when I'd come back. So I was like, oh, he's going to be like really nice. And he was, and I ended up staying with him for like a week or two. And is this the older dude that was like considerably older? Oh no, this is the one that I did cocaine with. This was okay. the one. Yeah. This was the one that was like, like a the year. Hu- two. Okay. I gotcha. Did, yeah. Did we, not the military boy, but the one after the old dude. Not old yeah. dude, but, you know, older dude, you know. <laughs> um, okay, so now you're there for, like, two weeks, and you're, what, you know, and then you decide to go back home with a broken hand. Did you even get that looked at while you were there? I did. I, I got it looked at. I I I know it was in a cast at some point. I, I don't even think it ever, like, fully healed, to be honest, because when I got to rehab, I wasn't wearing a cast. Um. But like I said, I don't really remember anything that happened in this like little bit of time. Yeah, I mean Xanax is you know that would do that to your memory yeah. because yeah. when you when was it you went to rehab obviously in February you know 2020 when did this occur where you got broken up with and fired and broke your hand? Like just December or something. Okay, so you're still two months away from going into rehab. Yeah, maybe Jan, maybe like early January, something in there, sometime in there is when it happened. Um, yeah, and so I start doing the thing with my ex where I'm like going, driving from Ventura to his house, back to Ventura. You know, I'm seeing him sometimes, staying in Ventura sometimes. Um, but when I was in Ventura, you know, when I wasn't my mom's, I was. I I was miserable. I was so miserable. I was just isolating in my room in the dark, drinking and taking pills and it was it was really gross. It was really gross. My room was disgusting. Um yeah, and that's when my mom pulled out that ultimatum, which saved my life. Now, you know, your situation's really unique because you were early in sobriety when COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you were um, a not even getting a 30-day chip when everything was shutting down. Yeah. You know, because I assume they were taking you to meetings from your rehab because, like, I've been to Southern California rehabs. I know that the meetings are filled with rehabs, you know, yeah. and we, that's the only time you get out of the house is by going to a meeting. Yes. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. now what happens for you now early in sobriety and all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, there's no more meetings. Cause I know LA shut down meetings for a long time. Yeah. Well, we did them on zoom. We did, we, we, we transitioned completely onto zoom. So the first three to four weeks I was in rehab, we were going to meetings in person. Um, and I remember the, the cook at my rehab, I remember him talking about COVID and I would, like, get mad at him. I'd be like, oh, my God, like, stop trying to freak us out. Like, that's not going to happen. Like, I was in, like, denial about it. Um, and I was, like, still, I was, like, really paranoid, too. And I was like, oh, my God, like, shut the fuck up. I was like, 
seriously pissed at him. Well, we're really we're really okay. emotional. That first three to four yeah. weeks, we're like, our emotions are finally coming out that we've been suppressing for years. Mm-hmm. You know, I was making, I made two different guys cry. You know what I mean? Just from yeah. in I in IOP groups, like because they said something that I didn't like, so then I made fun of them until they started crying. You know, that was my, and my therapist was running the meetings, both of them. And both times she was like, all right, we got to talk about that next time we have a session. Like the the one dude was pissing me off and he was like coming off meth and he was like scary, big dude. So, but I stole the one remote control from the other side of the house. And every time he was watching TV, I would be like hitting the reflection of the remote and turn the volume all the way up and down on him and changing the channel. And he oh, was freaking God. out, thinking that, like, he was in psychosis and there was, like, a ghost oh, in the room. Like, God. I wasn't a nice – I was petty as fuck early yeah. in sobriety. So yeah. I totally see how you can be, like, freaking out on the cook for, like, mentioning what COVID was going to probably be. And it was. It, it You know, it totally – you know, I mean, obviously it took off. And, yeah, I got sober on Zoom um, for the most part. Um, and then – like outdoor meetings kind of became a thing, beach meetings and stuff. And so, you know, we started doing those here and there. Um, but yeah, it was, it was mostly on zoom. Even our, even our IOP groups transitioned to zoom. Like we, when I was in PHP, we could not go anywhere. We did not leave because they were too scared to take us anywhere. Cause it was such a yeah. new thing. That's gotta be, that's crazy to think about because like I, the, one of the most exciting things was going from detox to sober living, you know, after those 30 days and now you're in sober living, you transition to sober living and you're going to IOP four times a week or whatever for three hours. You're like, finally, I can just like walk out the front door and go to Seven Eleven and get some smokes and I'm allowed to go for this walk and it's okay that I'm walking and doing my own thing a little bit. <laughs> And you get that freedom back a little bit within the first couple months. And your situation is different because nobody had freedom when, you know what I mean? Like either way, you weren't going to have freedom, but now you're newly in sobriety with no freedom too. Yeah. And I mean, when, <laughs> when I was in, when I was new and sober live, like once I got out of PHP into sober living, I was able to, you know, like go, like leave and do stuff. But yeah, it was very restricted because of COVID. It was, it sucked, you know? Um, yeah, there of- wasn't. Yeah, there wasn't. Yeah, because even the outdoor meetings, they started back up from what I'm told in like mid-July. It wasn't, it was like still like July, August before the outdoor meetings, at least in LA. You know, yeah. I had I had my friend Jules here. She has um, a thing called Muck Recovery down in Venice. And it started just like out of, we used to have meetings there every Saturday night in her front yard in Venice. And it wasn't like officially like in the books and now it is. And they hold two meetings a day in that front yard. Um, but, you know, cause it was because of COVID though, that they transitioned to put an outdoor meetings in the books and got her place like on the map. And now it's a huge meeting in Venice every day. Oh, nice. So, but most of my tattoos were done in her front yard during those meetings. Nice. And it was like so much fun every single Saturday night, get together and, you know, just fuck around just because yeah. people want to be sober together. So <laughs> when did you transition to go into meetings that were like outdoors? Was it like that summertime? 
Um, yeah, I want to say it was around probably summertime. Yeah, is when the when the outdoor meetings started opening up, and I was going, I was going to. There was this outdoor CA meeting I would go to. CA CA out there is amazing. People don't even know what CA is around here. Really? Like I, I yeah, I used to love I used to go to CA and then go to my friend's house on Saturday nights. I would go to three meetings every Saturday night and CA it. was yeah. I used to go to Compton for a CA meeting every Friday called um Fourth Dimension. And that was an awesome meeting because it was by candlelight. So like all the lights were off and you heard some of the realest and rawest stories that you would ever hear in a CA meeting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, CA is awesome. <laughs> I I love that CA meeting. Um, and uh, there was this like duck park meeting that was just like very local that, that we would go to. Um, there was beach meetings um, but, you know, for the most part, I was doing most of them still on Zoom because, I mean, that's what I was used to also because, like, I got sober with Zoom, so I was pretty comfortable with it. You know, I was secretarying a meeting during that time um, on Zoom. Oh, yeah. so you must have really enjoyed the whole process of AA then if you're already secretary in a meeting, even if it's on Zoom, but still, like, yeah, the fact I, that you wanted to have that responsibility tells me that like you were, like, inundated with like what the work is right away hmm. yeah I I think I started that secretaryship right when I got to nine months I want to say I think it was right when I got to nine months because I think that was the requirement usually it is six summer summer six months mm-hmm. it honestly depends on the group you know yeah. I've seen some meetings where they're like you got three months we'll let you be secretary you know, because we yeah. need a secretary. Yeah. And and then there's some groups where people are begging to be secretary and they're like, you need a year. How long did it take you before you actually went through the steps or have you yet? Um. Yeah, I, I think I got through them in uh, about nine months. Um, uh, and then I'm actually doing them again right now. I'm doing sober steps. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, it, it's been really helpful. Um, but yeah, um, I well it's helpful because we still have to live life you know what i mean we're yeah. still having all the same problems just that we don't mm-hmm. are the solution of drinking and drugs is not our solution anymore so mm-hmm. we need to find different ways to you know is there a step that you either that well, let me ask you both that you love and you hate like which not hate but like dread like oh i this step always you know takes it out of me step or, nine or nine. I love step nine, but it's also like so mentally exhausting because, you know, you're, I mean, especially the first time you do it, you're bringing up a lot of past things and a lot of like horrible things that you did and, you know, you have to face it. And I think that it's very, very healing, but at the same time, exhausting. Yeah. I felt that way about four the first yeah. the first time I did a four and I had like majority of the list of the th- reasons I resent myself, you know, and I felt like exhausted by the end of how much I resented myself 
I mean, yeah. it, it really made doing a step eight of writing my list. It really made me write in my list a lot easier because I was able to go, oh, yeah, I resented myself for that one. I might as well apologize for that resentment. <laughs> Let me go through and try to, like, you know, weave through. So it really made doing a really thorough four makes doing an eight a lot easier. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's something that people almost, you know, the more work you put in early on, the easier the work mm -hmm. is as it goes. So, and people sometimes they skip over ones and they think that they're not really important, but like losing your character defects, it can be such a thing of like, I get stuck there. Like I've gone through them a few times mm -hmm. and I always get stuck with defects of like manipulation. Yeah. You know, because... Yeah. As you as you talked about yourself, how is that for you going from like how am I not going to manipulate my relationships because I would don't want to have have you been in relationships since you've been sober? Yeah, so um, yeah, that's that's. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> are you watching this? Don't do this. <laughs> but I, I had a rehab romance. Okay, uh, so you didn't do the suggestion of wait one year. No, I didn't. <laughs> I had romance, and I, okay, all of, my, like, not all, but a lot of my sponsees have done this. A lot of my friends have done this, and I've never, ever, ever seen it work. But. It doesn't. But this one did. We've been together almost two years. Now. We live together and everything, and we have a beautiful relationship, but it was really hard. It was hard, and I don't recommend it. I don't recommend it. You know, the first year, like, the first six months especially was really hard. I, I stayed sober. You know, he, you know, had his own journey that, you know, you know, he had his own, his own ups and downs and, you know, all we have to say is you met in rehab, but you have different sober dates. Yes. <laughs> That's all we really have to, yeah. <laughs> that That's ties it. it up together really easily. Mm -hmm. I, I think I get what you're saying, you know, yeah. as the nicest way possible. He's doing good now. You right. both are in, you go to the rooms together. It sounds like you went to right. Georgia together mm -hmm. and you went to meetings down there. So that's really cool. But yeah, the, the sober, like I dated early in sobriety, you know, I started dating around 90 days mm -hmm. and like, you know, Tinder and stuff like that. But I, every single person I talked to and I met, I would make sure they knew that like, I'm really in sobriety, you know, you can mm -hmm. drink, I'm not going to drink. Yeah. And it is what it is. And um, by the way, I'm not ready for a real relationship yet. So yeah. this is like going to be just like getting to know each other and fun. Yeah. Because I am not there yet. And I was just extremely honest and just put it out there. Like third thing that we're talking like, hey, I'm JD. Oh, you're blah, blah, blah. Oh, what are you looking for? Relationship? I'm not. You know, yeah. and get it out of the way really early. Not to waste anyone's time just so I wasn't being unfair. And I was always yeah. just being honest. And then I met my wife that way. That's <laughs> – and I told her, you know, I, I have a year of sobriety in three, year, in three weeks. You know, mm -hmm. I don't want to get serious, at least until I have one year. So I can't jinx it now. Yeah. But, you know, I came back and I proposed. So <laughs> we went from, like, you know, friends with benefits to engaged. 
basically. Oh, that's <laughs> so sweet. I get it. No, I totally, I get it, you know, and now we both have the same, and ironically enough, we have the same sober date now. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, our, I mean, our relationship has blossomed into, into like a very beautiful thing, you know, um, our programs are completely, like we keep our programs completely separate. Um, we do our own thing. We both sponsor, we both have our like people, um, and you know, dating like two sober people dating can be really, really beautiful. And it can also be very, very messy. You know, I think it just depends on the personalities and like the work you're willing to put into it. Um, It depends on how codependent you're being too, you know? (laughs) So if, and like you said, if you're doing different things, like say you're going to women's only meetings and say maybe you're only going to like one or two meetings a week together, but you're going to five or six by yourself, you know, there needs to be that kind of balance where, you know, mm-hmm. you have at least two or three meetings for yourself for every one yeah. that you go with him. Yeah, you, you know? definitely can't go to all your meetings together because we were we were kind of being bad about that in the beginning. And we were going to a lot of the same meetings. And then, you know, when you when you do that, like, for example, if there's things about your relationship that you even just want to talk about in a meeting, like you can't talk about that when they're st- sitting right there, you know. Yep. Um. So, yeah, it's definitely nice to keep your programs separate and that doesn't mean that you can't like bring them together every once in a while too that's what i mean yeah there's meetings that we go to together and there's meetings that we facilitate separately you know and we both feel it's important this way not that we want to talk shit on each other because we don't but we don't want to be also say something that makes that person like have a hurt feelings or something like that either You know, we all deal with our own fucking shit every single day in our head, and we have to be able to talk about it. And we have to be able to talk about it with other people besides our significant others. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like you had a problem with boys, like you said, where that was who you leaned on at all times. So you have to be able to separate the two now or else you're falling into old habits. No, exactly. And I've definitely, you know, it's like that's a huge defect of mine. And it's definitely come out you know, since we've been together, but, um, it's about, you know, just, I lost it. No, it's fine. What's the word? Contrary action. Oh my God. I lost, Uh, (laughs) I lost the word. I was like, what is it? Yeah. No, I get it. Now, when did you start like creating like fun videos on TikTok? Cause like you've had some videos that got like a million views, right? Yeah, oh my god. Is that, was that, like, fucking crazy when that, like, happens? Like, I mean, most I've got yeah. is, like, 4,000. It's like, holy shit, you know? And it was, like, my rehab sock one, you know, where it was, like, yeah. funny. But, like, you know, one million, like... Yeah, so, um, I, you know, I, I started making TikToks more frequently um, once I got out of... So, I lived in sober living for, like, a year, um, until we got our, our own place. And I recently started making TikToks more frequently. Um, and it, it was kind of just for me as like a creative outlet. Um, and then also to kind of help other people as well. I liked the idea of putting my story and my experiences out there. Cause I'm not a very shy person. Like, you know, I, don't really care if people like I don't really care what people's opinions are of me whether they're good or bad so 
my thinking behind it was if I can like touch people in a good way, you know, let's do it. And so I started making videos more frequently a few months ago. And, um, I had one that got a few hundred thousand, something, something like that. And I was like, Oh, like, that's cool. Like, okay. Like, that's awesome. So then I, I did, I made that other one, like what a week or two ago. And it's at like 1.4 million views, which is insane. And I think that that's the coolest thing. And so I'm, you know, I'm just going to keep craving them. Yeah. And there's going to be people like, you know, have you, I'm sure when you're getting that many numbers, you have to have some kind of trolls and haters and like comments and shit. Yeah. I, you know, I, and I try to make fun of it, like not make fun of them. I try to make fun out of it, you know? Yeah, you have to. Yeah. I mean, you're always going to get that, you know, like I had somebody comment like, oh, I know Molly eyes when I see them and. Um, so I just like made a video with that sound. That's like, wow, that's embarrassing. Like, I really hope you're embarrassed. Yeah. yeah. It's like to comment that on a sober page is just kind of inappropriate, but you know, no, and that's the thing. And, and, and you're going to have, there's people all the time, you know, even going to meetings that are going to ridicule however you're living your life, you know, in sobriety there, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's the thing is the people behind the computer or, or on their phone rather, when they're commenting, they're usually bored and they aren't creators themselves. They yeah. aren't people that are posting something, you know, and putting themselves out there to put yeah. yourself out there the way that you do, you know, is not an easy thing to do. You know, yeah. it's easier for us because, you know, we don't mind doing it, but it doesn't make it easy still, it, you know, yeah. to have yourself like I, I somebody asked me the other day, they're like, I can't believe that you're just like, okay, I can't imagine. They're not, they're sober. Like, not that they're sober, they're regular, they're normies. Yeah. You know, they drink, you know, whatever, but not like alcoholically. But yeah. still, they deal with their own shit. And they're just like, I can never put my life out there the way that you talk about it like that. I'm like, oh, it's just easy for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm just, I think I'm just used to it. I'm used to telling my story and, you know, I'm a pretty open, open book in the rooms and then also outside of the rooms, you know, if I can yeah. help people who have no idea what AA even is just by, you know, talking about it on TikTok, like, that's great. If I can maybe like open up a new door for them, because before I went to rehab, I had no knowledge of recovery, like community at all, you yeah. know? No, I and think- I, neither did I. I, I had no idea what, you know, recovery could be like or anything like that because i would avoid anybody let's be honest i was avoiding anybody that was in recovery you know i didn't want you to like get me into your cult you know (laughs) like i didn't know yeah yeah i thought like i mean this is gonna sound so horrible but i thought that like people who got sober were like quitters like that was like my mentality which is so horrible like that's so fucked up like people in recovery are literally the strong like the people i've met in sobriety are the strongest people i've ever met in my life we know that now you know we know that now yeah you know but in my like you know in my fucked up pre-sober brain i'm like oh what a quitter like yeah like that's yeah and now looking back you're like i can't because now i see it all the time on facebook people will post like there's things like Oh, I'll give you a million dollars if you, but you have to go the rest of your life without. I'm like, people in the comments are like, I could never, like, I'm like, 
the fuck? Like, I do yeah. this for free. I could be getting paid. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I, I saw one of those the other day. Like, you have to give up drinking, weed, or chicken wings. <laughs> and I was like, fucking weed and drinking. Easy. Yeah, it's, you know, giving up alcohol, it's not easy, but it's definitely worth it. And the further you get away from it, the easier it does get. Getting through oh. holidays, as soon as you go through one set of holidays as the sober one, laughing at the drunk ones, you realize, oh, I definitely don't want to have to go back to that. Yeah. You know, but, and it's really easy because I, I will sit back and I will laugh now at, you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving and, you know, New Year's, we're going to have a thing here, like I said. So hopefully that'll be fun. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on and talking and yeah. telling your story. Like, yeah, having me. I feel like it's definitely a relatable story to a lot of people. I I hope so. I, you know, I hope that anybody, if anybody can relate to anything in my story, that would be great. Thank you so much again. Okay. Thank you. All right. I'll see you. Bye-bye. Bye.